Hello, 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 hello. Good afternoon. How you doing? I'm good today. Good. This is Dr. I and Dr. Joe, and we are excited to have you here with us today on The Window. And Dr. Joe, do you know that this is Thanksgiving again? Thanksgiving 2021 is just around the corner. I know every day should be Thanksgiving. Amen. But this Amen. is the week that we choose to celebrate and stop and give thanks. So it's a, a beautiful fall day here in central Ohio and hopefully all around the country where our listeners are. And don't take anything for granted. Everything that you possess, all your friends, all your family, um, your health, all of those are reasons to be grateful to God. And so we are just happy to be here. And we think that um, we have a show that's going to be informative and important because um, we want to shed the light on African-Americans who embrace the Republican philosophy. And we have two friends here today, good friends, longtime friends. And I want to start off with my friend, Steve Cheeks. And Steve Cheek is a longtime buddy of mine. He uh, found me in banking many, many years ago and asked me to sit on the I-670 corridor board and I was young and um, somewhat uh, naive and uh, it was a good platform for me to learn the protocol and policies of a community board and he gave me an opportunity to learn as well as to lead and I am grateful for that and we've asked him here today to uh, give us some uh, um, insight into his philosophy and his his uh, opinion of the Republican Party, as well as um, black people and where we are right now. And so, Dr. Joe, how about our other sister on the other line? So our other guest is a friend as well. She's Ruth Edmonds. She's currently Director of Christian Engagement at Center for Christian Virtue here in Central Ohio. She's a licensed and ordained ministry, a minister, I'm sorry, and she serves on the ministry leadership team at her home church here in Columbus, Columbus Christian Center. She labels herself as a proud patriot and defender of the U.S. Constitution and also as a Christian conservative leader. And I'm going to just, I'm just going to right now just tell a, a little known secret about Ruth or maybe other people know it, but... Ruth, are you ready for this? Ruth has the most beautiful singing yes, voice. Yes, she does. And I mention that because the way that Ruth and I first met many years ago is, I think it was right around the time Ruth moved to Columbus, she and I were in a church choir together. And so we go back quite a ways too. And and what I think is important, Dr. I, for our discussion today about black Republicans is that um, our hearts are a bit heavy today after yet another court ruling we talked about, which, which, which we believe is, is, has some dangers involved, but that's not what we're here to talk about. But our heart is heavy for the most part because, I don't know, reflecting back, I remember a time when we could talk about um, 
politics and we could talk about who we voted for and who we didn't vote for and maybe have a robust debate for 10 minutes before we went to dinner and moved on. And now, of course, the topic of race has always been contentious in America. Now it seems to me like talking about politics has taken on a new, very scary, very dangerous form. So we're combining those two topics today, talking about black Republicans. But we're going to start the day with our conversation with our guests, and we're going to start it from the perspective of two people, like Dr. I and ourselves, who are black and who hypothetically are considering gee, should I align myself with the Republican Party? And so we're going to ask our guests to do what it is we do on the window, and that is to educate and inform, starting with their perspectives on why they've chosen to be Republicans. And then we're also going to ask them as we go through the show to take on the challenge of addressing some pretty tough questions that we need to have answered before we would choose to make that decision and become Republicans. And we're going to try to do it in the spirit in which we hope we can have conversations here on The View. Informative, provocative, but not necessarily confrontational. And so I'm going to start, first let us start by thanking our guests because we asked others to be here today who chose not to for whatever reason. And so we realized that you did not have to be here, both in terms of your time on a football Saturday, but also in terms of addressing topics that are a bit testy in our society. So thank you again for taking the challenge. But let's start with that question and we'll we'll ask you one at a time, maybe Steve starting with you first. Is it just our imagination or has the whole issue of politics in the United States become very divisive, very volatile, very <clears throat> alarming. Well, yeah, I think it I think it has been um uh moving in in kind of a wrong direction dividing uh people to a point that um was not uh in place uh, not so very long ago. Uh but um the Republican Party uh, as a result of uh, former president who did lose the election, incidentally, uh, Trump, uh, he uh, he is um, uh, taking us to a place that um, I'm not, as a black Republican, happy with. Uh, but I'm a Republican in the aspects of what's going on in central Ohio. I'm in Columbus, Ohio. I don't know if you're listeners know that, born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, uh, went to a predominantly African-American university, uh, Central State, down in uh, uh, Southern Ohio, uh, Central State University, and uh, went on to get a master's degree at Central Michigan University, both degrees, undergrad and, and, and graduate, are in business. And so... Uh, when when I got back to Columbus after um, in 1968, when I got back home here in Columbus, things were uh, changing, and African American Republicans in Central Ohio were in very strategic locations uh, and um, or uh, doing uh, great things for our community, and it was uh, something to. Uh, it, it sparked my attention, and so I decided to take a look at it and, and, and get involved um, from ministers uh, to elected officials. The first African-American judge in Franklin County, <clears throat> Ohio, uh, elected 
African-American judge in Franklin County, Ohio, was a Republican. His name was mm-hmm. Bob Duncan. And, mm-hmm. I, and I get I got to know Bob and his friends and, and others, and uh, Wade Franklin, a community a leader, well-respected, uh, uh, worked in the Columbus public school system, uh, Lucian Wright, uh, who went on to uh, was one of the first African American principals in in Columbus. Uh, he came to us from Kentucky. He went to the Ohio State University and so forth. So there was a lot of uh, opportunities uh, for uh, what was going on. And then the the political leadership in Columbus at that time, uh, mayors and so forth were Af- were. Um, a Republican, and in the '60s, when I got back here, they were uh, looking for African Americans to come and be a part of it, and and I'll fill that in as we discuss um, what 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 really went on during those days and uh, the leadership, the Republican African American Republicans uh, 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 were a part of. But one thing I don't want to forget is the black newspaper in Columbus, Ohio, called the Call and Post. I don't know what they called it across uh, the country, but in Ohio, the black newspaper in Columbus, Ohio, was run by one of our historical leaders. His name was Amos Lynch. Mm-hmm. He's a black mm-hmm. Republican. <clears throat> yep. And, and across the state of Ohio... The calling post was owned by a gentleman in Cleveland, Ohio. He had papers in Cleveland, Cincinnati, Columbus. W.O. Walker was his name. He was an African-American Republican, and he owned the newspaper. And, and one of the really um, points of information that uh, I looked to and others looked to um, for many, many years. So... Um, African-American Republicans were in key spots. So that's that's very informative for me. This is Dr. Joe. Those are names that those of us who grew up in central Ohio know and revere. And what might be interesting for our listeners in other parts of the country, we always like to talk about what our listeners can do as a result of our show. You might want to research the history of black Republicans in your city as well. And maybe you'll find out the same thing that Steve Cheek just shared with us, that, that once upon a time, perhaps some of the black folks you knew who were the the pillars of your community may have been black Republicans. And Amos Lynch was my mentor. Um, For some reason, I was attracted to him. He looked like my father. Hmm. And I used to go and talk to him and talk to him about Columbus when I first came here. And I wrote for him and we talked about everything. And I'm still very close to that that part of our community, the Lynches. So yes, well respected. So what motivated them, Steve, and you to the extent you know, to become black Republicans and then and then Ruth, once we hear from Steve on that, we'll bring you into the loop too and ask you to fast forward maybe a number of decades um, and talk about your decisions as well. Well, you know, when I got back in 68, um, you know, I went to high school, the whole works. I grew up here in an area called the Hilltop. and uh, But uh, when I got back here, uh, they were um, 
uh, recruiting African Americans, as I said, and uh, the banking community was looking for African Americans. The private sector in general were looking for African Americans. As a matter of fact, I was offered a job. They came to Central State looking for African Americans to to come and work for their corporation, and I was hired in the staff management training program of Western Electric Company mm-hmm. here in Columbus. And when I got here and and started, uh, you know, they encouraged us to uh, come and be a part of uh, the political as well as the overall social issues going on in the black community. Uh, I got involved that way, and next thing I knew, I was offered a job um, by the uh, mayor of the city of Columbus at the time. His name was Tom Moody. And um, the, the the Chamber of Commerce, I was set on loan uh, from Western Electric. Uh, my boss, Mr. O'Neill, at uh, Western Electric was chairman of the Central Ohio Chamber of Commerce. And uh, they were looking for, because the federal government, what, what people don't remember is the federal government made its move, Republicans in the federal government made its move to include African Americans in the business environment of our country. People don't remember that the, um, that OMBI, uh, the, the, uh, was put in place by Richard Nixon. Nixon put black businesses in place in federal government and formed an organization uh, to um, uh, include uh, African-American companies doing business with the federal government, put goals in place that that had to be or uh, uh, met uh, and so forth. And that's, that they were offering money to the Chamber of Commerce's to put business resource center uh, centers in place to assist minority businesses. And my boss, as I said, sent me on loan to the Chamber of Commerce. Uh, a guy running the business resource center at the time was the first African-American um, to work for a bank, I mean, a city national bank. It was Don Titwell. And it went on, City National Bank went on to be Bank One and went on to come up with the ATM machine and all of the business. But anyway, Don was the first African-American, and he became the director of the Business Resource Center and that the chamber had put together. And uh, he was on loan to uh, uh, the chamber from City National Bank, Mr. McCoy sitting down here uh, uh, to do it. And when we got there... Uh, the money flowed in from the federal government, uh, and we started uh, putting together purchasing councils. Uh, purchasing councils to, uh, were made up of the private sector companies of Central Ohio, General Motors, uh, Westinghouse, all the banks. You name uh, the bigger companies in, in our community at the time, and they uh came together and we called it uh, the Columbus Regional Minority Purchasing Council. And they started putting together trade shows that we, they would put booths together. African-American business people were encouraged 
to come and talk about what they did for in terms of their businesses and uh, that's how it really got started and wade franklin who i mentioned a moment ago he was with the school board he was chairman of that at one time as well and so it was republicans not uh, as bad as it um, may seem today but back in getting things really working for minority businesses and doing business it was it was republicans so that's great history and, and points out once again the importance of knowing our history. And so given those efforts, and, and you're talking primarily about economic impact for African Americans, what do you see in Central Ohio as the result of those efforts now, years later? Well, we've had some really uh, magnificent projects get started in terms of uh, 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 Republicans and in the black community. We have, um, well, let, let, let me tell you this, Central Ohio attracted, uh, I, I, I keep, Miss <laughs> Edmonds, I've got, it's hard for me to say that because I knew her for a thousand years. <laughs> so you knew me as Frayling, then as McNeil, then as And what was going on again. in Central Ohio attracted her to Columbus and when she got here she was she stayed but she was an outstanding student an outstanding african-american student that got scholarship to a very um there might have been 10 students on her campus when she got here that were african-american but she came here because she was an outstanding student getting the job done and uh, her academics brought her to Central Ohio, and here she stays uh, to this day. And, and, and uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. And you know, and I was going to, you know, talk about some of the projects uh, uh, that went that took place in Ohio in the days that the development of African Americans took place. And one of them is right on Mount Vernon Avenue down in mm -hmm. the, what we call the ghetto, I guess we had at that mm -hmm. time, the hood. It was Mount Vernon Plaza. Mm -hmm. It was a shopping area. It mm -hmm. was a um, very nice, uh, mm -hmm. reasonable-priced living quarters uh, mm -hmm. that uh, was put in place by uh, re uh, Republicans. Mm -hmm. They also put a shopping uh, mm -hmm. a store there called Singletary's owned mm -hmm. by an African-American man. His name was Singletary, last name Singletary. Mm -hmm. And he, his background was with one of the major uh, uh, grocery store chains still in, a, in Columbus today, the Kroger people. Mm -hmm. And uh, we went on, and someone mentioned the I-670 Development Corporation. I was on loan, as I said, and when... When Donald decided to move, or Donald Titwell decided to move on, they gave me the executive director's job, and um, there was a time that uh, uh, they were putting a new freeway in that went right through the African-American community. It was called, or is called, I-670. And so when we got a chance to be the director of I-670, um, we we uh, had a real opportunity 
and I'm probably talking too much, but I'll feed some more information about I-670 and where the dollars really came from to get to get a live um, a real, uh, railroad community taken out of the black community and a new highway that has uh, taken care of uh, uh, of our community ever since it's been in place and opportunities for black businesses at the same time. Steve, this is a, a great starting point for our discussion on the window today of black Republicans. That's wonderful history. I know you made reference to Ruth. That will be a great place for us to pick up where we leave off right now as we take a short break on the window. We're back on the window. Dr. Joe and Dr. I talking to Steve Cheek and Ruth Edmonds about being a black Republican. And we've just heard from Steve some great history about black Republicans in central Ohio. We're going to segue to Ruth in just a moment because he talked about her coming to Columbus and, and getting involved in those efforts. And then they're going to answer some tough questions for us about what Steve briefly alluded to at the beginning of the show about the Republican Party now. But Steve, let me ask you, um, as we as we begin to talk to Ruth, when you talk about the accomplishments of black Republicans historically in central Ohio, were those across the aisle types of efforts? Were you all able to do what, to me, it appears we're not successfully doing right now? Were you able to collaborate with your Democratic counterparts? Oh, yeah. There, there was collaboration. City Council uh, was very much a part of um, of what was going on. And uh, when I told you uh, about Bob Duncan, who was the first African-American elected to the courts here in central Ohio, he went on to be the first African-American, a Republican, on the the Ohio Supreme Court. Um, a, a female uh, a judge has since been elected, since uh, Bob Duncan did. But Duncan also went on to be a federal judge. He was he was appointed to the federal bench and it was Judge Duncan who uh, put the busing system from the federal bench here in central Ohio in the public school system. An African American judge, Bob Duncan. And uh, he went on and all of us felt that one day they're going to appoint Duncan to the Supreme Court of the nation. And we always thought that because he was a bright guy. He was a bright guy. He knew the community. He liked to be in the community. He lived in the community um, and so forth. He and his wife, Shirley, were outstanding uh, examples of uh, African-American family that can be successful. But he was a black judge, and he was African-American. And so, and actually, I, I do remember the Duncans, his wife, Shirley, who you just referred to, was my kindergarten teacher. So, again, <laughs> a lot of history there. So let's talk then to Ruth. What was it that when you came to Central Ohio, what was it that attracted you to the Republican Party? And over the years, what has led you to remain with that party to the extent that you recently ran for office, correct? Yes, actually, uh, uh, I've done that three times, but 
Um, <clears throat> that's a story that I'll, I'll kind of build out a little bit more. First of all, let me just say how, um, my God, what a treasure we have in, um, in Steve Cheek. Um, I just honor you, Steve, for just, you know, the years that you have um, toiled in Central Ohio and the state of Ohio just for the right thing. Um, you happen to be a Republican. You happen to be African-American. But I think um, the thing that defines you is the manner of man that you are, you care. And um, you have, you know, principles and values um, that I think stand taller than those other um, distinctives of who you are. So thank you for that. And thank you, um, um, Dr. Joe and Dr. I, <laughs> for the invitation, my longtime sister friends. Um, and, you know, I... Um, I came to Ohio, it's true, from the inner city of Baltimore, Maryland. I grew up in what was considered the ghetto. But if you go to my hometown right now in South Baltimore, it has been gentrified and fortified and all of that. But, um, you know, back in the day when I grew up there, uh, there were no Caucasians. There were only brown-skinned people living in my neighborhood and um, I was raised by my grandmother, who only had a fourth grade education. Those things that she taught me were, you may be better off one day, but you'll never be better then. Own your stuff. Don't allow um, barriers to become obstacles to your success. And if I woke up and I felt like, you know, Mama, I used to call her Mommy, I'm not feeling real good today. She said, baby, go on to school, because if you're that sick, the teacher will send you home. Because <laughs> she understood to the value of an education. So that was instilled in me, um, you know, running up and down 804 South Sharp Street um, from a little girl. And, and tis true, I, I graduated in the top 5% of my high school class in the inner city of Baltimore and, and got a scholarship, an academic scholarship to go to Denison University. Um, those, I, those things didn't just happen because um, I was a Republican. Um, as a matter of fact, I hadn't even um, identified as yet as a Republican. But those principles and values of hard work and, you know, just pursuing, um, you know, what I believe God had formed and created me to be and to do. Um, and so I, my goal was to be the next Barbara Walters. Uh, um, I say Oprah Winfrey beat me to the punch. And what happened was when I graduated from Denison, I got a job at WTTE TV 28, of which at the time Yolanda Harris was working there, who's now, um, you know, doing great things. I, we actually used to go to church with her some years ago. But also um, one day back then, the NAACP, and this is where, um, you know, I'm going to pivot now. The NAACP at the time was bringing, well, actually, TV28 was bringing this very controversial movie called Shaka Zulu to town. And the Columbus NAACP, which was led by a Republican administration back then, people who've been around for a while will know the very, you know, outgoing and, you know, <laughs> full of character, Cornell McCleary, who's no longer with us, was the vice president. And then Melanie Mitchell uh, was the president at the time, and her mother even was working for um, um, the governor, um, governor's office back then, um, Republican administration. 
at any rate, they they were in the leadership of the NAACP. And one day Cornell said to me when he was in, he would come to the station because they were planning this um, showing. And then they brought the director, Shaka Zulu, in and they were going to do a, a, a kind of conversation at the end of the movie. And Cornell said to me one day, what do you do when you're not working? And I said, well, I just graduated from college. And he says, the NAACP needs leaders like you. Um, and I said, okay. So I became involved with the NAACP and watching Cornell and watching Melanie um, in, in their leadership capacity, not apologizing for being an African-American, but also not um, um, defending, not behaving like, you know, we were, um, we were victims or we were oppressed. It was very much so, this is what's right, this is what's wrong, this is what the Constitution says, this is what the, you know, Articles of Incorporation says in the state of Ohio, in the city of Columbus, and you're going to treat everyone, including African Americans, right. And so um, I watched them and, and realized that, I, that those were my values. We are not victims. Uh, we are overcomers. Um, we have been through so much, and, and we have accomplished so much in spite of. And at the time, um, um, the former um, um, Otto Beatty Jr., um, bless him, um, actually owned the building that the NAACP was on at the corner of Rich and High uh, and had done so for many years. So when you asked about that connection and that collaboration, well, you know, um, yeah, African Americans have been collaborating together, both Republican and Democrat together, because that is not what defines us. What defines us, I will say, is our inherent belief that um, we are formed, made, and created by God um, to be great, just like anybody else, and God didn't, you know, dole out any more blessings or, you know, to one than he did to the other. And that is what has kept us over over all the years. And I will say, and then I'll stop, when you ask the question to Steve about the divisiveness um, between the two parties and in our country right now, it is because of the godlessness um, that has um, creeped into our, our culture and in our society. We now question, is there a God? Never used to do that. Many don't even revere God's sovereignty. You know, I'm, you know, I do me and you do you. And then we've canceled God, you know, even to the point where we were heading down the road of Xmas. We didn't even want to put Christ in Christmas. When we do that as a nation, we should only expect that there is going to be um, death, that there's going to be a killing and a stealing and a destroying of whatever it is that takes God out. And so I think that you know, back in the 60s, when we began down that road of taking God out of school and prayer out of schools and, you know, everybody, you know, doing whatever they wanted to do, we have become a culture that is godless. And as a result, it has impacted how we behave and how we engage, um, even on the political um, spectrum, because the parties are just that. They are philosophies. They are, you know, it, it's not a person, uh, you know. It is a philosophy, but we've engaged for years together. Um, I, again, I say it's because of the godlessness that has created this wedge and made us believe that we are more, more divided than we are united, and that is just simply not the case. Um, and, we have to, and that's what I stand up and I argue for, even as a former president myself of the Columbus NAACP. I did not lose 
my African-American card, if you will, because I affiliate with the Republican Party. Because we have a right in this country to affiliate, and we should be engaged in every form of government in this country. We must. And the day we think it's okay to disengage is the day someone, you know, someone says, when you're not at the table, you are on the menu. And I I, I refuse to <laughs> not true. be at the table. I'm not going to be on the menu. <laughs> so thank you, Ruth. We feel your now, you passion. Now, you, you hear that? I'm going to tell you, when I first uh, uh, met Ruth, and she said she went to Denison. I said, what? You went to Denison? You didn't go no Denison, Dovid. And she's a student that is out of sight. <laughs> and she went to Denison. I'm telling you, that. <laughs> I bet you when she walked on that campus, they said, what you doing here? <laughs> so, I'm a student. I'm a scholarship student. So, Not a scholarship student here. Yes, I am. What? So, out of Baltimore? I'm okay, telling you. Steve, Steve, I paid you well, okay? I, I <laughs> you all did, and, and, and I don't know if you all got together before this show, but, but Dr. I and I are are smiling first because you are mentioning a lot of names that, that we know and because you are painting a very um, rosy picture of what life is like from the perspective of a black Republican. We told you we were going to ask you some tough questions because we're approaching this show as, as two people who hypothetically are considering, well, well, gee, should should we be black Republicans? So let me ask you this, and um, we'll go to a short break right after that, and we'll come back and spend the rest of the hour talking about those tough questions. But let me ask you if, with the scenario that you paint, why does it appear that there are relatively speaking few African Americans in the Republican Party when I look at the party now I don't see a lot of people who look like me why is that you know I guess you know I go back to um, does it have to um, you know does it have to look like that and 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 I don't know that I really care quite frankly um, if if you know if it doesn't and here's the other thing who wants to be put on front street and vilified you know um who is it um um the muppets it's not easy being green well you know it's not easy you know necessarily to be someone who stands up and says i am a patriot i love this country we're not perfect but we're the greatest country on the earth and when i can say that i affiliate with a party that stands for freedom and liberty and life and family and one man and one woman being married, you know, it takes a lot to stand up to that these days because people will want to peg you as, you know, um, evil and, you know, all kinds of names. But I will tell you, my own African-American little brothers and sisters growing up in Baltimore, they, I'm telling you, they trained me for taking a hit. Because they called me Kizzy, and they called me Blackie, and they called me Ballheaded, and they called me Buckteeth, and they called me all kinds of names just because of how I looked. And so I have a kind of uh, a, a grit that they gave me <laughs> so I can stand and withstand on my own personal principles and values and not apologize. And I will say, uh, and so I, I'll come back and say, there probably are far more African-American affiliated with republicanism but they don't they just don't choose to put themselves out on the street and have people who look like them beat them up for being american 
free choice. I don't blame them. I'll tell you, this is a calling for me. And so, but it's what God has called me to do, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, and I'm not going to apologize. Hey, Steve, what about you? Well, you know, what, what she says is, 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 is true. Um, when, when I was at Central, Central State um, in the 60s, now you'd be at a predominantly black uh, university in the 60s. A lot happened in the black community in this country in the 60s. Uh, and and, and we, were, we were there, and we had those that were um, uh, wanting us to be Muslim, you know, we'd walk around the campus and you'd hear "Assalamu alaikum," and the reply was "Lazum, Assalamu alaikum, Lagum Assalam." And uh, my father went to um, uh, went to uh, undergrad at uh, Meharry. I mean, not Meharry, but um, uh, to, to Alabama, the school. And if I come home saying "Assalamu alaikum," he would have a fit. Yeah, Alpha Phi Alpha better come out of your mouth. Uh, and uh, he, we, we had those kind of things, and we had Alpha. I mean, we had uh, uh, Republican parties, and we had the Democratic Party. And the Republican Party uh, was uh, discussed at uh, uh, at a lot of different e- events. And so I looked around, and when. The majority companies were coming. I said I studied business. When they came to the business college and put their name on the on the board for interviews, uh, uh, they didn't ask me uh, if I uh, was going to be a, a Republican. That came later when they sent me on loan to places. I didn't know that you were a Republican. Well, yeah, I'm a Republican. And they said, well, that's fine. We want everybody to be open to understanding what it takes to be a successful business and run a successful business. And so that's that's the kind of thing that happened even at black schools that I don't think uh, the black community knows. And uh, so it's it's a situation, and and we'll talk about I-670 when the freeway came through and black homes had to be taken. Uh, how that happened, and the the black, I uh, mean, uh, a Republican mayor was doing it, and all that happened, and how the community responded to that. We'll chat a little bit about that. We but, will chat uh, about that in just a moment. When we come back from the window, we have some questions for you. We appreciate the history. I'm also unapologetically black. I'm unapologetically female. I'm unapologetically accomplished. I unapologetically am Christian. I am apologetically have friends of the same gender who are married, and I unapologetically have some tough questions now for the Republican Party when we come back on the window. Dr. I, and I would like to turn the corner on the conversation with a question. Um, The Republican Party, 30 years ago, when I-670 was coming through and some of these um, very impressive accomplishments were being pursued and, and completed, 
and the Republican Party today, is it the same? Are the values still the same, or has it changed? Well, I, uh, I'll say, I'll answer that question really quick, and then I know um, um, Steve has questions, but I'll say 70. You know, I think that, um, that there has been change just because there, you know, there are different people, just like the Democrat Party has changed. It used to be, you know, the party that fought against um, um, ending slavery. But, you know, I, I think the people have changed, times have changed. And sure, there is change. Um, I think there's misunderstanding about why, you know, why um, some in uh, some actions of, of those leaders in the Republican Party, um, why they put forth certain public policy issues that they do. Um, but the policies, and I think that's that's where we need to really be focused on is the policies. Um, and not the people. As Cornell McCleary used to say, it's about the plan and not the man. Um, and so, but yeah, times have changed. And so we're not the same country that we used to be. Uh, it's a different time, no question. So could we perhaps just be a bit more straightforward in the remaining time we have? Because you all have done a great job of painting the picture of the history of the Republican Party. But we also want to do our listeners the service of asking the questions that we think that they have on their minds. So, for example, if, if we buy totally into the, well, gee, if black people would just work hard and pick themselves up by their bootstraps, then then we wouldn't be subjected to the, I heard the word slavery used in conjunction with the Democratic Party. If that argument were to hold true, then the fact that I have four degrees and a long list of firsts, and you might ask why I have so many firsts, why it is that I've had to so many times step in and be the first African-American to do something in the land of the free and the home of the brave, is it just that black people overall, except for a handful of us, are inherently dumb or inherently backwards? Or does the fact that we end up at the bottom of the heap in just about every statistic that governs the health and well-being of our country, could that imply that there is something called systemic racism that seems to sometimes be denied by the leaders now of the Republican Party? You know, I, you know, I, I can certainly understand considering one's world view how how one could think in that in that way personally i have a biblical worldview and i honestly believe that yes in fact there is a there is a thing in the earth called racism and that really is sin um i believe quite frankly joanna that you have been able to accomplish all that you have and others have by the grace of god it ain't because some white man or some black man or some you know uh, Republican or, or, or Democrat um, was responsible for what you accomplished. It was because of who you are and whose you are. And um, I believe that when we, we, had, we used to accomplish so much more um, when we had a sense of godliness in our culture. And um, so I'm not ever going to give um, success or, or, or defeat, if you will, to any man or any party. Um, it is God, and, and it is how we, the biblical worldview that we have, how we walk that out, that determines whether or not um, we achieve what we are formed and created to be and to do. And when we get off of that track and start thinking that it's because of what somebody else did for us, 
well, you know, we can we can certainly do that if we want to, but that's not. Um, I, I I just think that 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 flies in the face of a biblical worldview, and um, and I just won't give any man or any party or any entity that much authority over my life. Okay, and so an, another tough question then coming from from my biblical worldview is that if I look at the Republican Party and and the world now, the country, through my biblical lens, if I were considering being a black Republican, I think I would have to ask in their whole Republican Party, we could not find a candidate and a leader that better represents Christian values than Donald Trump. And Steve, I know you started the hour by briefly mentioning perhaps your concern. Don't let me put words in your mouth about that leadership. Is that accurate? And if so, could you elaborate on that, please? Well, you know, I... um I'm not, like I said, a, a real, uh, never was a Donald Trump um, a fan because, you know, uh, he comes from a background uh, not being crazy about uh, people that are of color. His father had a history of it. And it right into uh, his time as a uh, grown man. But you know one thing I, I don't want to I don't want to leave this show today and not mention it. I think that African American men have a real issue problem that they've got to keep working at, and that is um, going to school, going and being more educated. You don't necessarily have to be a Republican; you can be an educated Democrat. I don't care, but. We have got a problem. The majority think, when they look at a person like me, an African-American man, they think that we don't care about our families, our children. And I have African-American friends that are Democrat and Republicans. It's just not true. We care about those things. And I, as as an individual, will always harp on that. And 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 so... Given that concern that I believe most of us in the race share about the status of the race, I would ask once again then, is it that black men are just inherently lazy, which of course I don't believe, or is there something about our society that's not working for us as African Americans? And if so, what is the Republican Party doing to address that? And I'd like to add something onto that before we um, leave that point. I am the mother of an African-American son, so is Dr. Joe, and um, we're concerned about their future. Absolutely. We're concerned. I guess I would say, I guess I just, would say to this, oh, oh, oh I'm oh, sorry. Go just, ahead, go yeah. ahead, Steve. I apologize. Um, that's okay. Um, and just to bring us to 2021, when I look at what's going on in Georgia, in the Aubrey trial, a black man who was shot and killed by vigilantes. Absolutely. Doing absolutely nothing wrong. I'm afraid of where the uh, world is going, where the nation is going for black men and black women. Um, and, and, And I've seen it in so many situations in the courtroom where your skin color, your background is a problem, no matter if you're Republican or Democrat. Black people are still discriminated against. 
So how do you respond to that from a Republican standpoint? You know well, what? I think I think that's giving too much responsibility on any one particular party. Um, evil exists in this earth, and 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 I will also even you know say, you know, um, if in fact the point of the conversation is to ask, you know, what is your perspective? How have you walked your life out in this realm? That's one thing, but to say that. You know, um, you know, to give your very personal perspective as a as a mother of a um, of two wonderful African American men, um, and to suggest that the Republican Party is the is the fault of it all is to disrespect also that every wonderful accomplishment that they've had belongs to somebody else other than uh, themselves. So I think you can't lay lay someone's life totally on a party um again and i know you know and i'm always going to do this so you know i'm people may say i'm beating a dead horse but i'll just that's just what i'm going to do and that is to say that you know we have we have a purpose and a plan um there is a purpose and a plan for our lives and no party um, is, is, is that powerful enough? No entity is more powerful than, the, than accomplishing the purpose and the plan. If that were the case, we never would have gotten out of slavery. If that were the case, Barack Obama would never have made twice president of the United States of America. I mean, we've, so we see examples where against what are considered the racist odds in America, we overcome. And I would and I would venture to say that when you look at the HBCUs, we have wonderful historically black universities in this country who are turning out phenomenal brown skin people who are doing phenomenal things, running major corporations. And yes, there are African Americans who are still living paycheck to paycheck. There are white people who are still living paycheck to paycheck. Now you may say, well it's disproportionate Ruth. Okay, it may be disproportionate, but you know what? It's not impossible. When you look at that, what was that, that movie that um, Will Smith was in, um, The Pursuit of Happiness, I think a lot could be learned from that. It, life is difficult. There's no question about it, and it may not be fair. There's no question about it, but that does not make us inherently inferior or oppressed. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are a great group of people, and we have more potential than what we, I think, sometimes give ourselves credit for or that we speak about. We tell our little kids, oh, you can be anything that you want to be, and then they get to be high school or something, and all of a sudden they're, they're totally oppressed. We can't have it both ways. We should never be speaking about ourselves in a, in a situation as if we are, you know, downtrodden, even if, fact of the matter is it's difficult that doesn't make us um inherently inferior or oppressed i just won't buy it right i don't think that anyone here is suggesting for a moment that we are inherently Mm -hmm. inferior what i think that the issue is as we talk about blacks in the republican party is that we started this hour with wonderful glowing history of what black republicans have accomplished and that's great we receive that but when we ask the tough questions about why it is that there are people in the republican party there are leaders in the republican party there are policies that are being pushed by the republican party 
anxiety that tend to have the effect intentionally or unintentionally of, for example, suppressing the vote, which has been shown to disproportionately affect African-Americans. When once again, we look at all the statistics impacting African-Americans, and yes, we're able to point at points of light, an African-American president, African-Americans around companies, but in general, we as a race continue not to have made the strides of other races, then we have to ask the tough questions. And when we don't get the answers or when we get the answers that blatantly say to us, we don't care as long as we can say, there's my African-American, then yes. And I, and I don't want to, to end the show on a note where we don't get answers to those questions, but we don't have answers to those questions yet. And I personally believe that if I were a black Republican, I would do what it appears most Republicans are not allowed to do, and that is to speak out and to say, yes, these things really are real. Yes, the party may have changed since in the past, and it's because we have leadership that for whatever reason, both black and white Republicans seem afraid to stand up to and say, let's take it to where we are in the past. So I remain very alarmed by what's going on in our country. I remain very concerned that I can't get the answers that I need. And I remain very concerned about the divisiveness in our country and the fact that as it relates to our topic today about black Republicans, I don't have answers. And I don't see either one of you, Steve or Ruth, being the kind of uh, person that could support the the Republican that sent over the video of him killing someone, that's certainly not biblically supported. Um, and and um, the lies and and all of the the court decisions that have been anti. African Americans, and I'm and I'm, I'm very very concerned about what's going to happen next week with the Aubrey trial, because if that goes haywire in terms of a decision, and, and Republicans are the the cause of it if it goes haywire, is that right? Um, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if the court you're bringing decision, it up in that regard, in yeah, that frame exactly. of mind, sure you are. If, if the yeah, courts, if the courts decide. That you know, you know, there's going to be a jury, right? There is a jury. There is a jury. Yeah, there's going to be a jury. Absolutely. You're not going to know if they're Democrat or Republican. And, and I think that jury has one African American on it. Well, I doesn't think it? It goes back to the issue of race in America. And, and you're going to, and you're going to, you're going to. Uh, uh, Well, I think it goes back to the issue in race in America, what the term racism even means, how our elected officials of every party pursue that. One could even say for the 670 project that it went through the black neighborhood and there are probably reasons for that, but we don't know. But until we can have the dialogue where we get answers to questions and we don't just talk about the positives. If you want to accuse people, an entire, you know, an entire group of people who happen to affiliate with a party. There's no question about it that there are, you know, um, no good do well in the Republican Party as much as there are in the Democrat Party. There's no question about that. I just, you know, there's an assumption that every single thing is happens because because somebody is black or white. 
we didn't we still didn't even talk about how you know you brought it up about president trump okay yeah everybody's got those uncles and aunties that we would prefer not to be in our family the fact of the matter is the president's administration did a lot for african if we're talking about specifically african americans there were a lot of policies there were um and there were gains for african americans as well as other americans and, and, and but right you know, but I think you're we have to be honest. There is a skew that you're looking for something that you're not going to get. And as a result of that, it's going to continue to have, you're going to continue to hold your belief. And that's okay. We're going to need to wrap up today's show. But what I will say, what I will assure you to our guests, Ruth Edmonds and Steve Sheik, in addition to thanking you for being here on shows when we talk to the Democratic Party representatives, we ask the same tough questions. And so we're not singling out necessarily any party as being the problem. What we're asking, though, is that when we talk to a party about what we feel are these issues, that we do have some answers. And we certainly respect both of you. Don't ever believe we don't. We're just concerned about where black people are going. And we are out of time. We thank you. God bless you all. And we thank all of our listeners for joining us today on The Window. This is the praise.